Have you noticed any kind of, uh, there's obviously a difference now watching baseball in the after times. <laughs> there's a slight uh, difference. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you like a Padres fan or something and the stadium looks pretty much the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like Padres, seems like the Padres and the, uh, the Rays and yeah. White Sox. I mean, that, that's just the fans playing the long game for their teams at this point. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they've been preparing for it for years. Uh, but do you notice just personally watching baseball, any kind of different feelings or different vibes that, that you hadn't kind of called up before when watching the Yankee game? Like, like emotionally or, yeah. or yeah, well, honestly, I will say that I, I will say that just by, um, by the naked eye, like watching, um, I feel like pitches come in. I feel like watching the pitches come in without a crowd there somehow it looks even more intimidating. Mm. I don't know if you've, if you've felt that, but I feel like the pitches get to the glove like quicker. Not, it just looks, it looks like stark, I guess is, huh. is what's happening. And so I'm just like, Oh gosh, like I can't believe how fast they throw it. <laughs> it, it turns out Garrett Cole is good after all. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I went to a, I don't know if you've ever been to the, uh, to the Louisville slugger museum. Yes, love it. And uh, I went once uh, last year, I had a, a couple gigs down in Louisville and, um, and I, I was walking around and they have a, you know, an alley, a pitching alley, uh, and they had like, oh, this is a Cole Hamill's fastball, and I felt it, and it was like, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> watching it, watching it shoot from the 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 this the whatever the thing into the glove was like was like horrifying. I love that you felt a Cole Hamill's fastball in your soul. Yeah, dude, it was nuts. I'm like, I just don't even understand it. But watching it now, I mean, there's there's this weird thing watching it when I watched the opening night, you know, Nationals Yankees, or even watching the Mets Yankees kind of tune up games, um, that it made me really happy and but also nervous and a little like should we be doing this? But also there's this sixty game, sixteen team playoff season feels like pretty exciting in a lot of ways. So like, I don't know, it's like a swirl of emotions, especially like with what happened with the Marlins, it feels like, okay, like that's a pretty big reality check to like whatever excitement was going on in my brain. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into the Marlins and the Philly situation in a second here. Cause yeah, we, yeah. we've got to do a deep dive into what's going on with that shit. Uh, yeah. I, I have noticed in terms of watching the games, this has happened twice already. It happened once on Saturday when the Cubs botched a rundown with Lorenzo Cain, where they had him between second and third, and then we're going to run him back. So it at least looked like there were going to be two guys on second until you realized no one was covering first. Oh, so, God. yeah, so they got nobody out. And I jumped off the couch and yelled, motherfucker, fucked up another rundown, because this happened to them last year with the same guy, too. And oh, then, really? Yeah. And then 10 seconds after that, I suddenly sat down and realized, I am so happy to be pissed off about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and it happened again on uh, Monday when they brought in Craig Kimbrell with to protect a three-run lead in the ninth, and then he just decided, I'm not throwing strikes ever again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, same kind of deal where it was just like this this sense of impending dread. But again, the fact that it's baseball causing this impending dread was somehow progress for a moment. Right. Not progress, but but it felt like normalcy, kind of. Yeah, like this is I'd much rather have this dread in my life. I mean, that's how I felt watching the, the Yankees once again destroy the Orioles last night. <laughs> uh-huh. 
That's Maybe. what seventeen in a row for them. I mean, just like yeah, they uh, they just cr- they like they like hit more home runs in Baltimore than I think the Orioles have or something. Absolutely, yeah. A Glaber Torres by himself hits more home runs in Baltimore. Oh my god, than yeah. There, but, no, I agree. There there is that there is that like. I mean, it sounds silly, but when this was all starting back in March, or like you know, starting or in the midst of like. When the NBA shut down, it was like it it that that did make it feel a little more real. Like when when live sports started <clears throat> shuttering, it felt like oh, this is pretty serious. Yeah, there was that moment when the NBA shut down, and I think it was announced as the Cubs were playing a night exhibition game in Arizona, and they didn't really talk about it much on the broadcast, but there was still this kind of impending realization of, oh, yeah, baseball's got to do this too, and it's got to do it right now. Right. So it's weird, like, watching a, an exhibition game happening in front of your eyes, presumably getting ready for the season, and then realizing they've got to stop. And yeah. it, was, it was a moment of cognitive dissonance. And, and as you say, that was also the moment where we realized, oh, shit, this is real for the entire country. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Man, I wish we still realized that right now. <sighs> yeah, I know. It still feels like we're still in the middle of somehow convincing people, but um but sports sports being back is like it is a it is a boon. It is like I don't know if we should be doing it, but mm-hmm. it, it is a morale booster. Yeah. And we will dive into the we should be doing it question in just a second after I welcome everybody to the show. This is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsport Baseball Podcast. Episode, dig this, number 37, the Casey Stengel episode, maybe my favorite Yankee of all time. And in celebration of my favorite Yankee of all time, we have my favorite Yankee fan of all time, Chris Calagero joining us. My name is Ken Schultz, contributor to Outsports and Baseball Prospectus. Chris can be found uh, online on Twitter at RealChrisCal, and you should follow every day because he is still posting maybe the best character vignettes uh, that do not involve lip syncing the president online. Uh, you have, you sir, have mastered the surprisingly woke uncle genre of performance, which yes. I didn't know existed. That's until. my guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why that works so well in a Jersey accent, but mwah, my friend. I don't know. It's just like it happened one day. I, re- I had an idea for a video and I recorded it, and it went really well. And then he just became like a, a guy I love to do. I've done him live a few times at shows too. Nice, which was- is really fun. But yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I'm, I would love to see the Jersey Uncle live, absolutely, especially any New York show that would kill, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's jump right into it, since you posed the question before I did the show open. Uh, should we, we be playing baseball at this point right now? I mean, like, probably not. Marlins certainly shouldn't. I, I can tell right. you that much. Right. I mean, they shouldn't be playing in Florida, if, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does it think, oh, let me ask you this, as someone uh, who is living in New York City and has gone through, as we were talking about before we started recording, the experience that every New Yorker went through during the horrific nightmare in March, April, and May, how does it make you feel to know that MLB is going to be welcoming teams from Tampa and Miami throughout the year into Queens and the Bronx? I mean, it, it scares me. I, I don't, I, New York, like you said, it really has been through the ringer and I guess if they take precautions, I mean, it, it feels almost like 
if you're not like team leagues that aren't doing the bubble um, are kind of rolling the dice on a lot of this stuff. Um, but when New York started to kind of get, uh, finally get a handle on everything, it felt like, I mean, I, I really did feel like a frontier person who's like, get off my property. Like, <laughs> cause I really, it scares me. We, it took, it took such a big toll on this city and, and people coming up from places that don't give a damn is really infuriating. So, um, I hope when they come in that they are, that they're taking precautions and they, you know, are not allowed to just, you know, go wherever they want in the city basically. But, um, I guess we'll find out. That's why that's the push and pull of, of loving watching baseball and having something to do. And then also realizing that there is a still a pandemic happening. And a lot of these places are places that are still deeply affected and rising every day. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's always that thought in the back of my mind that regardless of how much I'm getting into the game and occasionally getting mad enough to curse out the Cubs, which as I mentioned before, is great. Yeah. But there's always that thought of we might have to shut this down at some point. And if we get to that point where we make that decision, I should always be fine with shutting it down. Uh, yeah. There was, uh, they talked about after the game yesterday, they asked Chris Bryant about playing against Mike Moustakas and who had uh, just missed, I think the past three or four games with the Reds because he self-reported that he was feeling ill. And they told him, look, just don't show up then. Just yeah. don't come to work. And uh, they asked Chris Bryant if the fact that he had to miss games and, and you know, how baseball culture is when players miss games, sometimes their teammates get mad. Right. Bryant, does that mean that this will make other players reluctant to self-report when they feel ill? And Bryant made a point to tell the media that, look, uh, I approached Moustakas, and first thing I said to him was, thank you for doing that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and he, because he's, and he said that he told Moustakas, the only way we're going to be able to complete this season is if you do that, and guys like you do that whenever they feel sick, because right. that's the only option. As we've seen with the Florida or the Miami Marlins situation, when teams don't self-report or, or somehow think they can overcome having a couple guys with COVID in the clubhouse, then the entire thing goes straight to hell right now. Right. Uh, did you see, have you seen the Phillies news from earlier today? Uh, no, I didn't. Did that. So uh, one of the Phillies coaches and their home clubhouse manager have tested positive for COVID. So they're shutting things down for the time. In Philly? Yeah. 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 So well, that's got, how it works. I mean, and the Yankees were supposed to play Philly this week too, right? Yeah. 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 That was a big, I mean, the Yankees basically had to like move, move out to play this Baltimore game. Yeah. Um, it's just so weird, which is so weird. It almost feels like, it almost feels like a barnstorming league. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. There, there is a little element of, yeah, almost that kind of classic Negro leagues play where at a moment's notice, you might have to add a game or add a right. double header somewhere. Right. Um, I mean, these guys are playing 60 games in 66 days, uh, and there's gonna, there's definitely going to be a lot of risks of, can't play this one, we're moving on to that one, and then we're going to doubleheader this one. I mean, it, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Um, uh, outside um, the context of the horrifying pandemic, um, how, how good does it make you feel to realize that, uh, yeah, if we have to cancel a few games, let's just play the Orioles a little bit more? Yeah, it's great. Just give us the Orioles again, yeah. please. It's uh, I, I, I don't know if you know this, that I think the Yankees lost all of two games to Baltimore last year and actually saw one of those in person. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was the second game of the season, and Baltimore bullpenned him and managed to hold him down long enough to, like, eke out a 5-3 to three win. I mean, it's, they, they, they were 17-2 and two against Baltimore last year. Yeah, so it, it feels like I saw history, actually. Yeah, exactly. I think they, and they won. They swept them in Baltimore. They swept every game in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Which is truly insane. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the way Baltimore approaches the Yankees, uh, this is a terrible metaphor, so I'm just going to stop it right now because I'm not going to compare. I was going to do, yeah, the Baltimore approaches the Yankees the way MLB approaches the coronavirus and then realized <laughs> – that's terrible. So, yeah, it's probably not the best moment. Right? Yeah, I, I apologize to everyone. I almost feel bad for Baltimore at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, if you're on the Orioles right now, it's essentially realizing you're in the bigs, kind of, but it also doesn't matter because no one who's on Baltimore is going to be on the next competitive Orioles team. Yeah, it's it, true. It's reminiscent of, just from my personal experience, the Cubs of like 2012 and 2013 where – they just had to put guys out on the field because the rules of baseball stated you had to field a team. Right, right, if, right. If they could have gone through the year essentially just saying, yeah, we're good, I think Theo would have been like, yeah, we're, we're fine punting half of this. But uh, Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's tough when you actually have to play competent teams like, like the Yankees. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so um, – but I guess to, to awkwardly get back for a second onto MLB's approach – what kind of bothered me the most is how much it reveals that even with the giant lists of like almost hundred pages of protocols that they came up with during the off season, how little MLB is interested in actually trying to enforce so much of that, because the story, the story of the Marlins that, that just still blows my mind is, is the idea that they asked the players on the team, if they were okay playing after right. four players had tested positive. And that's, if you know anything about baseball players and the mentality you have to get into to play the game, pro that's the last thing you do. Yeah. It's, like pro athletes in general are always going to say yes. I mean, it's yes. like, that's why you like, you can, you can, you can't ask a pitcher if he's going to stay in, if you, if he wants to stay in the game, like, of course he's going to want to stay in the game. Like that is, I mean, that's part and parcel with a lot of, with the handling. It's like a microcosm a little bit of, of it is that, being like, are you good to do this? It's like, well, it's not, that's not how you handle this. It's shut it down, figure yep. it out, isolate, quarantine, like put masks on, disinfect, like all, and like it, it's so telling that it happened right away and it happened to a Florida team. Yeah. It, it couldn't be more perfect that it was a Florida team too. It's right. a, it, honestly, it's uh, the only thing that could have made it more appropriate is if they made like Ron DeSantis the honorary manager for the day. <laughs> yeah, he should have thrown out the first pitch. Honestly, <laughs> should have thrown I mean, out the first pitch and would have infected half the team who caught it. Yeah, teams coming up from Florida to play other teams, it does feel it does feel like they're rising out of like the the primordial ooze of of like disgustingness to like come play, and it's like. <laughs> You guys are coming from Florida. Like, <laughs> Do you know what goes on down there? I mean, they really should have just—they really should have just taken a a stadium somewhere further north and and just called it headquarters. Yeah, I mean, they're not playing in front of anybody anyway, so who cares? Right. Yeah, it, it's like what Toronto is doing, and honestly, Florida is the reason why an entire country has told us to fuck off at this point. It, uh, yeah because the Blue Jays would have to play both the Marlins and the Rays. And, you know, they're a country that actually 
is kind of caring about how they approach the, yeah. the coronavirus crisis? I, I, it's not surprising, and I'm glad that they did it. Good yeah. for them. But, I mean, yeah, to your point, and given how we've seen that so far the leagues that are working in a bubble uh, between MLS, between the NWSSL, and then what appears to be at least successful starts by the NBA and WNBA, um, Obviously, baseball, because they have to play an entire season, it's a little more difficult and you sure. have to do it all outdoors. But to your points, that doesn't mean you can't then like find venues in much more suitable states that aren't, you know, currently the worst hotspot for this virus in the entire planet. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah. Like college stadiums you could have used and like, like, I don't know, places just there was an approach probably to be had in, I mean, Rob Manfred is not. Rob Manfred doesn't care about baseball. Like, yeah, he doesn't the, care. So the, the, the most is that there is nothing that Rob Manfred likes better about his job than canceling baseball games. <laughs> and the one time he could have done it to save humanity, he goes, ah, I bail. It's good. Yeah, I know. I know. And the, But that being said again, like there's baseball on every night. It's like, it's encouraging. It's like morale boosting. Yeah. Um, but I just hope that, I hope that it doesn't turn. I mean, it, I really like when the Marlins thing happened, I was so like, Oh my God, they're just going to have to cancel the season after three games. Yeah. I mean, hope isn't a strategy and it, right. it, it appears that it, it was for at least a couple of teams going into the season and for way too much of, of baseball management. And so I guess now in response to this, they just announced this today as well, that uh, they're having, a compliance monitor assigned to every major league team to make sure that they're following uh, social distancing and not going out at night. So literally every team now has like a homecoming chaperone to follow. Yeah. Uh, Which I mean, yeah, pro athletes going to pro athletes. So I understand that, but it's also, it's like, this is the point where we're at now. Right. I know it feels like the NFL is like concussion protocol. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sure. It wouldn't surprise me if baseball solution to testing positive for the coronavirus would be, ah, just put them in a tent for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, yeah. give them some uh, Gatorade and pickle juice or something. <laughs> and honestly, that's a, a better response than the Marlins did. So Yeah. Uh, so let's jump from that into the happier topic of actually discussing the baseball we've watched so far. Oh, it's happening? Uh, yeah. Because not only uh, has the Yankees now had suddenly found themselves playing Baltimore, but They've had Garrett Cole pitch two out of their four games, which yeah, that's also good. If yeah, it's wanna, pretty good. If you want to do well overall, I think. Uh, so he's been exactly what you want, right, in the two, two starts so far? Incredible. I mean, I think he wasn't, he wasn't quite on in that, in that opening night um, game. Uh, but he, the, the good thing about Garrett Cole is when he's not exactly uh, uh, Superman, you know, he's still, um, you know, Batman, you know, like, <laughs> he's like, he was, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm so excited to have, to have that dude here. I think he's incredible. Um, I love a pitcher who works fast, like he does. And, uh, just like, boom, 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 boom. Um, and I don't know his, he, his ball moves like crazy. It's incredible to watch. And it's last night he looked great. I thought he looked really great last night. So yeah, I mean, that dude is an ace. Yeah, and it's, it's, I guess, especially good for Yankee fans to see that right out of the chute, especially because coming from Houston, uh, we know that players uh, improve when they go to the Astros for various reasons. 
Right. So I'm, I'm sure it's just good to see that, oh, yeah, that improvement is real and that can be carried on outside of Minute Maid Park. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he it was like, oh, he's just a star. He's not a, he's not an actual <laughs> star. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it is actual talent. But, I mean, I look, they signed him for an incredible, incredibly long contract. So we'll see how long that lasts. But honestly, if, if he can give them, you know, three, four, five prime years of – uh, ace pitching and get him in the World Series, worth it. And it's been a minute since they've had just like a stone cold ace. Would, would you have to go back to like CC when they first signed him? Like prime those those prime CC years, like oh eight oh nine when he was really like like the the kind of the CC that that he always was. Um, and then he kind of he started. It was a slow decline, mm-hmm. but he kind of started to lose a little, I mean, he, that guy worked so, he threw so many innings in his career. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think he was, I think like CC was the last guy. And then they've had, they have like this, this pitching staff of like a lot of like guys you could put like between a one and a two, right. like starter. I feel like Severino and Tanaka um, and Paxton are all like close ones, but they're, they're really like two threes. Um, and Cole is just like a number one. Yeah, there, there are just very few like solid number one ace starters in the game. Period. Right now, so the fact right. that you have one, it always is. It's also hard to just get them. Yeah, yeah, especially in a game where seemingly everybody throws in the upper nineties now. So it's like, how do you differentiate yourself from guys who just can fire it past people into that next level where it's just like you just destroy at right. that uh, you know Max Scherzer or, or Steven Strasburg level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so it's, it's hard to get your hands on those guys in general, but I feel like now the Yankees have, like, the pitching staff that they've been trying to get for the last, like, three, four, five years. Yeah, and, and having that ace pitcher, when you've now got this offensive core that they built up over the past three or four years, I yeah. mean, that's, this is why you give Garrett Cole a deal of that length, because now, as you say, you can take that shot for the next probably – four or five years. Of yeah. Windows open. Probably got world series contention just about every year. And their bullpen has been solid for a lot of years too. So, right. um, yeah, no, this was the, this was the, like, to me, he was like the missing piece. Yeah. There, there is a lot there. And, and so far, I mean, it's, it's just the four games, but seemingly everybody that you'd want to show up with the Yankees has, uh, and how yeah. good does it feel just to see Giancarlo Stanton showing everybody that, yeah, I, I'm still the National League MVP from three years ago that you remember. Yeah, I I love I love Giancarlo Stanton, and um, I am happy he doesn't have to hear booze constantly, <laughs> which is great and uh, not helpful, I don't think. But yeah, man, he is on fire. I mean, he the the cool thing about watching him this year is like he looks. I feel bad for a guy with like, he's got, he's obviously had chronic leg troubles, which is like brutal for a guy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But he looks like he lost some weight and it was interesting. I I was watching that, that first game and I was like, Oh, like he looks like he lost some weight. And then he immediately popped like a 460 foot home run. I was like, Oh, I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Even if he loses like 20 pounds, he's still what? Like six, five and seventy or something like that. Um, But yeah, like, like, the fact that he's, I think he like probably took off some weight to take some pressure off his legs, but he's immediately like, like popped a Stanton esque home runoff, like off the bat, literally. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, he's fine. And now he's just hitting every, he's not just 
he seems, I mean, to the start, he's not just hitting home runs. He's hitting all over the field, which is very encouraging. Yes, and that's, and that's also good for his power, too, because it's, it's weird. The one home run that I always remember with, associated with uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, it wasn't one of those gigantic moonshots that you, know, you figure most of his home runs go that way, that the, the 450-foot just bomb. Yeah. But it was one against the Cubs from about maybe 2017-ish, where he hit, he went the other way with it. It was, it looked like a line drive off the bat, and off the bat uh, from the center field camera, you saw it leave, and you thought, okay, that's a double because it, it, it was just like right. a low line drive. And then they cut to the shot from behind the plate, and you follow the ball just as it lasers out, and it didn't get more than maybe 15 feet off the ground. But it just kept going and going and snuck over the right field fence. And you realized that for most other hitters is, is an extra base hit. It's, it's a line drive double. But that one, he's just so powerful. Yeah. His low line drives are strong enough that they can carry over the fence. Yeah, those are, those are also some of my favorite of his hits. And Judge does that sometimes too. Um, I mean, Judge won't go the other way so much like that. But like Judge will pull, will like tug a ball down the line, especially in Yankee Stadium. That it's just like it's like out in like a hundred. It's like it's like before the camera can cut, the ball is like out of the stadium on like a liner, like yeah. out in left field. But like Stan can go all fields kind of with that power, right. which is nutty. Yeah, and that that was in Marlins Park too, which is I mean that's the exact opposite of Yankee Stadium when it comes right, to home huge. run parks. Yeah, uh, I mean Stan, a judge can go always, but judges homers are usually he usually pulls them down the line. Yeah, the thing that strikes me about Judge is that. Almost every homer just looks like it's so easy off the bat. Like, this is yeah. just my natural swing, and the result is 450 to the left center. I don't know if you saw the, his home run last night. I saw the highlight this morning, yeah. First of the season, yeah. That was one, that uh, was kind of like a classic judge home run that was like, eh, it looks like a can of corn, and then it was <laughs> out. Uh-huh. I mean, it was in the air forever, mm-hmm. and I was like, there's no way this ball is leaving the yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But having that lineup, I mean – they have, they just have home run power, like up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, LeMahieu went off with a home run and, and was it four hits last night? Yeah. LeMahieu was awesome last night. Yeah. And he's someone you just count on for contact. So if he's popping it out. I think yeah. But I mean, I like, I, I, it's an interesting lineup to have LeMahieu. I think LeMahieu let off last night. Um, but Having all that power behind him, I mean, LeMahieu's going to see plenty of pitches to hit out of the park. Right. And, uh, and But, yeah, and he's a contact guy, so. Like everybody else, I guess he knows how to turn on it, though. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know, have you heard the new John Sterling Glaber Torres call? I, no. I should have to ask. Oh, no. Yeah, because uh, we, we both know that, uh, that it's Glaber Day is his big one. But uh, I saw this from, I think it was the Sunday highlight when Torres hit the game-tying home run that day. Uh, he still does Glaber Day, but then he follows it up with, like a good Glaber, Torres is there. Oh, no. And your head explodes. God. It's so, my, so my dad and my brother are Mets fans. <laughs> and they just like, they gloat so much about how they have this announced team that is incredible. Yeah. And I'm, we're just stuck with the like, I mean, the radio is worse, but... <laughs> But yeah, it's. I wish the Yankees could get some excitement going on in any of their booths that wasn't pun-based humor. <laughs> you got Red Skelton calling play-by-play. Seriously, ay ay ay. But I, I mean, look, hey, 
if Glaber keeps hitting home runs, I'll take, I'll deal with the, yeah, you, you can, grit <laughs> the, your John teeth. Sterling, the John Sterling uh, dad humor, I guess. <laughs> you can take the catchphrases if, if you hear them over and over. Right, and over. right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, like the most unforgivable one was a text message. Oh yeah. Yes. Mark Pichero was not, it's not even how you say his name. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's weird as, as a Cub fan to talk about Glaber Torres because there, yeah. there's a small segment of Cubs Twitter that holds that against Theo Epstein, that, that trade. And I meant to ask you about, about that, that trade and how you feel about it. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely a trade that won them the 2016 World Series. Like, right. They do not win Game 5 without Aroldis Chapman going two and two-thirds innings and shutting down the Indians at right. that point. Um, but on the other hand, I also want to logically justify that trade without justifying acquiring a role as Chapman just because he's a piece of shit as a right. person. I, I mean, we ha- I feel the same. Yeah. Um, like the, the baseball idea behind it is taking, if you can for a second, the utter piece of shitness out of the equation. Like if you're uh, dispassionate, if you're like dispassionately looking at what happened. Yeah, if, if you're just looking at on-the-field performance and you want to complain about it, I would, I would argue you can't. Yeah. Because especially for a team like the Cubs that you were looking to slay the beast in 2016. That was, that was the all-in year. And part of the all-in year means that you might have to make a huge sacrifice to, to, uh, to shore up the one weak spot that they identified throughout the first four months. Yes, I completely right. understand. Would be perfectly fine with that. I just wish they'd like chosen like Sean Doolittle over Aroldis Chapman uh, to do yeah. that. Uh, but as, as far as you know, if, if we phrased it like this, trading Glaber Torres in order to win a World Series, yes, right, hundred percent would do that. Right. Uh, and I have no problem, honestly, seeing Glaber Torres do so well in the Yankees um, because I still remember the, the, how great 2016 was and will for the rest of my life. Sure. I could not be more thankful for that. I, and it's uh, not like it's not like the Cubs are in dire, dire straits now. No. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you want Glaber Torres in that lineup. <laughs> yes. I mean, he, he, he would, yeah. you know, he'd hit, he'd crush in that lineup, of course. Right. But um, it'd be one thing, I think, if, if it was a bunch of um, end of their rope, that's that the, that the Cubs had that was like, all right, this is like our win. This is the last, the window is closing. This is it for all these guys. They're either retiring or like not under contract anymore or something, but like the Cubs are doing fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, they, still have, they have a good roster. They have, you know, they're, they're not the Cubs of, of old. Right. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah. If the Cubs, um, window shuts prematurely it's going to be because ownership was cheap it won't be because of the glaber torres trade right because like the yankees when the yankees were winning their world series i mean they traded a lot of young talent away to to get pieces and they won a lot of world series and yeah yeah, i'm not going to complain about about a farm system that they only recently just kind of got back in shape but i don't know man are you do you want to win the world series and the Chicago plays in a big enough market where you're right. Like it's going to be about ownership, opening up their wallet. Yeah. And, and part of winning a world series that I'm kind of becoming more and more convinced as time goes by is that when you see that opportunity, it does mean fucking going for it and, and yeah. not prospect hoarding at that point. 
And so, yeah, I get it from that standpoint. That, I mean, would you rather trade Glaber Torres and have 2016? Or would you rather be like the Dodgers, who have been great and who have this kind of nonstop churn of great minor leaguers coming up from AAA, but to this point, they don't have a thing to show for it? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh-huh. like, Glaber is not, not in your lineup until, what, 2018, probably, mm-hmm. every day? So, right. like, it's hard to justify, like, being like, eh, we, we're going we're gonna to roll with, with a bullpen that uh, is literally, literally losing us <laughs> and maybe not even make the playoffs or we're going to hold on to a prospect, of which we have many. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it, it's... Uh, but that this past like six or seven years has been like the one time in my life where you could say the Cubs finally had many prospects as yeah. opposed to one number one draft choice that maybe pans out and then nothing else in the system. Right. I mean, look, I'm pumped that we have labor, so thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, well, you're, you're quite welcome, man. <laughs> and I, I will happily look at, you know, the, the 2016 World Series ring whenever I go to the Hall of Fame. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do love that dude, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal and, and good at everything. So, yeah, he's good at everything. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the Dodgers, uh, did you see the highlights of the, the <laughs> Joe Kelly Houston Astros? I uh, did see the highlights. I really laughed. I love yeah. Joe Kelly. I mean, Rekas, the kerfuffle. I don't, I don't know what, what the best word to describe that is. but uh, I mean, it's it's pretty – I mean, again, back to our original point, but, like, there was a, almost a, a, a bench-clearing brawl in the middle of a pandemic when nobody's even supposed to share the same baseball, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I, I had flipped over uh, to that game after the Cubs game that night ended because I mean I saw Astros Dodgers so I figured that something interesting might be happening. Right, right. And yeah, so I was watching it as it happened, and when you saw both benches clear like that, that little voice that we were talking about at the beginning of the show became a very loud voice in the back of my head going, "Guys, pandemic, pandemic." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think there was one assistant coach who was like, social distance, everyone. <laughs> uh, but here's my question. Do you think that – do you think that the Astros are lucky that they're playing in this – I mean, contextually lucky that this is how the season is going? Like that it's empty stadiums and 60 games? Or do you think that they're going to get this and – Next year, God willing, when there's full ballparks again, uh, the, they'll get the fan um, craziness. Uh, I think probably the latter one. I, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of fans, uh, especially uh, any rival teams, like if uh, they're, they're lucky that this year is the year they're playing the Dodgers as opposed to next year. Right. Whenever, like, there was talk before the pandemic shut everything down that when the Astros were opening in Anaheim, Dodger fans were buying Angels tickets just to go and let them have it. Yeah. Like, that will be a huge thing whenever they play in front of a packed Dodger stadium for the first time. I mean, I think when they play in front of a packed Yankee stadium, if they if it's on the schedule, like... Oh, yeah. They, they eliminated the Yankees, like, two years in a row. I mean... Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely hear, hear that. Uh, I yeah. think Boston, even though Boston beat them in 2018, they won't yeah, have... No, Boston, to though, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah... Uh, fan bases, especially the ones like Yankees or Red Sox, or even like tangentially related, like if they play Philly in interleague, Philly fans, I'm sure will will come full force at them. So that's yeah, that's just being pushed off. I think 
they are somewhat lucky, again, just in the context of playing on the field, in terms of just how other players react to them, that, yeah. that this year is so guided by what the pandemic is, is letting us know we can do on the field. Uh, because, I mean, Joe Kelly's a meathead, so sure. that, that's one thing. Um, but even during spring training, before, again, before everything shut down, Jose Altuve was getting thrown at by the Tigers. Yeah. So, I, I mean, baseball players tend to have that kind of, as John Lackey once said, I got a long memory. This <laughs> weird Billy Bob Thornton impression that he gave as his interview style. But a, a lot of pitchers do that. So there, there might be some guys that, uh, that are kind of just storing it up for when baseball is a little bit more or less restrictive in terms of retaliation. But yeah. uh, if, if it had just been a normal 2020 baseball year, like I would venture to guess almost everywhere they went, either Altuve or Bregman or Springer would have had to, to duck. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. And I think like fans are going to be – or like – I mean, I was anticipating fans being amped up to just like lose their minds on these people. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. But, How weird is it, by the way, that of all the Dodgers to kind of try to seek a pound of flesh – from the Astros, that it was Joe Kelly who wasn't even on the Dodgers in 2017. Like, is that the most baseball culture thing possible? It is the most baseball culture thing, but as you said, Joe Kelly's a meathead and Joe Kelly's kind of character too. So, like, it's also not surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, I just love that he made a face at them. and it was, it was <laughs> The so face funny. was the best part, yeah. That, that, but do you think that – don't you think that – they were talking about this in the Yankee broadcast last night about how – now, basically, any pitcher is going to kind of shy away from, I don't know, like, wh- how, how fine do you think it's going to be for a pitcher to throw inside on these guys if baseball's going to step in and throw, like, an eight-game suspension in a 60-game yeah. season is nuts. Yeah. I, I think in terms of playing on the field, and this is really going to be up to the umpires realizing what's going on, they're, they're – is a difference between throwing inside and what Joe Kelly did. Like sure. Joe Kelly made it completely obvious. Like that, that pitch to Bregman was yeah. like just this side of Randy Johnson, the all-star game in 93 to John Crook, uh, <laughs> only, only without the fun intense. Like, and, uh, and so I, I understand where like a lot of the anger uh, about Joe Kelly getting eight games in the 60 game season is coming from, but I'm, just personally, I'm also of the opinion of like throwing at a guy's head, like especially if if God forbid you found your target in that instance. Sure, like, that that's worse. No, than, no, I, I agree. I agree. Wow. It's worse. I just mean like, do you think a pitcher would be hesitant to work inside if it hits Bregman or it hits Altuve gets away from them, and then all of a sudden they're yeah. I, I think it it might depend on like the context of that game, right? Like. If nothing else was going on and you wanted to throw inside to establish the corner, I still think you can. Yeah. Um, if anybody got hit earlier in that game, especially, or, or if uh, you might feel that they have like reason, if you were on the 2017 Dodgers or on another team, um, then yeah, those guys I think would probably feel a lot more hesitant to go, to go inside on guys yeah. like Vivian Bregman. So it's, I think, going to be extremely context-dependent this year. Yeah, I, I'm curious because I feel like MLB is going to try to step out, get out in front of this and, yeah. and, you know, 
God but that's forbid. a good point because, yeah, I mean, we both know pitchers uh, will insist with every ounce of them that establishing the inside corner, especially in a power-laden game, is paramount in order to get right. that up. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's really going to be up to the umpires having their shit together and, and knowing the difference. And uh, it's not just like any schlubs you're establishing the inside corner on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. like three best players in baseball. Right, right. In, in a lineup that's still pretty deep. So, yeah, you have to. Because be they haven't been punished for any of anything that they did. Right. And, you know, and unfortunately, because granting them immunity apparently was the only way Rob Manford could get information. So, yeah, it's, it's just a, still a giant mess. But uh, it did produce a fun John Boy video for the first time this year. It's nice to see one of those that not from a game in 1984. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, the Astros, I, uh, I, they're, they're annoying. And, and of course, again, Rob Manfred, uh, it feels like he definitely feels like a guy who's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You tell me I got to work. <laughs> Rob Manfred is your uncle all of a sudden. Yeah. I like that. He's just like, he does feel yeah. like, he's like, oh, yeah. like a no show, no work job or something. Yeah. I, someone, I think it might've been uh, Craig Calcaterra who writes for NBC sports online, uh, put this out on Twitter the other day that, uh, Manfred's response to the Marlins pandemic is kind of like a microcosm of America's response to yeah. our overall pandemic, where there's very little leadership at the top. And so you're kind of relying on just like the individual teams or individual states to enforce everything. And as we see, it just takes one to fuck everything up for everybody. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, Rob Manfred, do I want to lead? Uh, not really. I just kind of want to be on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. Uh, Chris Calagero, do you have anything to plug? Well, I, st- I still got you here. Uh, I have um, my Twitter account, which I'm always posting videos on, um, at Real Chris Cal. It's the same as my um, uh, Instagram account, which is at Real Chris Cal. Um, and that, I think, is it. Yeah, yeah, I'm always pretty active on those things, so go check me out there. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so as long as we keep having baseball, the Yankees are probably still going to be good for the rest of this year. So at some point, I will probably have ask, ask you on later to go. Yeah. So how does it feel to still be good? Kenny, Cubs Yankees World Series, baby. Oh, man. Revenge for 1938. I can't Thanks wait. <laughs> this, as always, has been a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Take care. You too.